Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Polarized training. That may sound like a fancy word, but it is the way that we should all be training if we want to reach our potential in the sport of distance running or really any sport. Have you ever heard of the 80-20 principle? We want to keep 80% of our weekly mileage at an easy effort, and then the remaining 20% should be reserved for those harder effort workout days. This principle of keeping the hard days hard and the easy days easy stems from the growth formula, which is stress plus rest equals growth. If you are not able to fully recover from those hard, stressful workouts and fast running days with those nice and easy, slow miles, you will not be able to improve or grow as a runner. We want to train smart and get the most out of our daily efforts. This is why it is very important to make sure that we are training in a way that is polarized. That means we want to keep the hard days hard and the easy days truly easy. It's kind of like the yin and the yang. You have to have the rest to offset the stress. And a lot of times people think that rest has to look like doing nothing. Um, When I hear the word rest, I think about sleeping and laying down. I don't think of an easy run, right? So sometimes it can be a little counterintuitive to think about, but we have to just reframe how we are looking at that rest part of the equation and just understand um, how training is put together as a whole. So I have with me today Jason Phillippe, who has been coaching for over a decade now. He has experience coaching at the high school, middle school, and of course the college level, um, as well as working with um, adult athletes at the club level, doing marathon training, half marathon training. So he has really worked with a wide gamut of athletes um, and has coached distances all the way from the 800 meter, um, you know, half mile race all the way up to ultra marathons. So it's just really interesting that this principle is something that encompasses all of those distances and it's something that we should all be incorporating into our training if we're not already. Um, And chances are, if you're working with a coach, you're probably doing, um, you know, some sort of version of polarized training. If you're working to run for PRs coach, you're definitely doing polarized training. Uh, But we just wanted to kind of chat a little bit about what this is and how it can make you a better runner. So Jason, when was the first time that you personally as an athlete were introduced to the phrase easy running and then keeping harder days hard versus easy days easy? Can you remember what that kind of looked like and what was your initial thought process on it yeah so I kind of started running um in in middle school I ran a little bit just for uh the spring track season but we didn't do much as far as going on runs it was basically just doing some intervals so high school was really when I got a 
my taste of going out for, you know, three, four mile runs. Um, and we were doing workouts, you know, I think back to my sophomore year, we would, you know, as a high school runner, you're probably doing races twice a week. And then you're also doing a workout once a week. Um, and then that really only leaves like one other day because, you know, you're not doing anything on the weekends during the school week. So that leaves one or two other days where you're basically running easy. Um, and you might do strides one of those days. And so, you know, as, as a young, um, athlete, you know, you can probably handle a little bit more in terms of, uh, doing, doing some faster running on a daily basis, um, just because your body and your muscles can adapt to it. Um, but yeah, we'd go out and we'd run like four or five miles. Our coaches would say, you know, keep it easy today or whatever. And I would always say, well, man, I'm going to be out there that long. That's never easy. Like I wasn't big on the endurance at that point. So, you know, it kind of took a few years for it to grow on me, um, before I felt like, you know, about a six mile run was, was pretty decent. Um, but we definitely had the variety, and I think that that's really the key when we think about polarized training is, is what, what is the training and the structure that we can put in place that's going to help us all reach our potential, um, not only for you know, the current maybe racing season, but um, developing us in a way that's going to you know, help us reach our potential long-term too and, and grow. And that's one thing our high school coaches did well for us was they never overtrained us. Um, you know, we'd probably run about 30 to 35 miles a week. And even that was probably a stretch during, during the season. They definitely encouraged that weekly rest day. Um, so I think that set us up well for the next level and running at college where we could start to increase our mileage. Yeah. And I love how you said, well, running, you know, four or five miles, that's not easy. And that was like your first interpretation really of this concept of easy running. And it kind of took me back to when I first started getting into running and, you know, when I solicited the help of a coach for the first time, um, when I was in college, just wanting to get faster and all of those things, um, he, he said something like, yeah, do five or six easy miles. And I was like, that is a really hard thing for me to do. And so it was really hard for me to wrap my head around the term easy thrown in front of, any run distance because at that time it's like anything that was over you know a mile was hard right so it's reframing what exactly easy means right so you really have to dig into the specific pace that is easy for you and I think you know when you were probably in middle school they you guys didn't have GPS watches and that technology just wasn't available to you well all of our listeners probably have some sort of you know, device that they use when they are running and training that they know the correct paces or they know what pace they're running. And so I think it's really important when we're talking about this topic is to learn exactly what your easy pace should be. Uh, one tool that we like to use is go to the VDOT calculator. You can just throw that into Google. Um, Jack Daniels has a nice one. There's also another one out there that's pretty popular. Um, but just putting in a recent race result, maybe it's a 5K or a half marathon that you've done recently, and look at what it says your easy pace range should be and really try to stick to that and be honest with it. Um, and I know sometimes if this is new to some people or they don't already train in that specific range, it can be really shocking to see what it spits out for you um, in terms of an easy range pace. So if you're someone who runs, you know, seven minute pace or 730 pace, we'll say for a 5k, 
um, it's probably going to tell you you're going to be running your easy pace at about 10 minutes per mile. And that can feel like such a big slowdown. But the reason you're doing that is because you want it to be developing your aerobic system. You want it to not be taxing your body so much that you're not able to improve. And so when we talk about this polarized training, first thing we usually do is address that easy piece because it is, you know, 80% of your weekly mileage should be easy. Um, But the part that people like to talk more about and figure out how, well, okay, how am I going to improve if I just run slow all the time, right? Like if I spend so much time at these easy, slow paces, how does that lead to improvement? And that's where it's important to look at that stress part of the equation. So Jason, do you ever find that athletes who come to you, they spend a lot of time um, working in the wrong zone and like they're not really utilizing that stress part of the equation or how how do people really get into this groove of the stress plus rest equals growth where they're really working at the correct easy paces and then they're able to really pop that stress part of the equation so that they can you know reach the next level yeah um i think about you know the the average runner who is you know somewhere probably in between like a beginner or what what they would consider themselves an intermediate runner you know, they run a few miles, they, um, they run up to a few miles, they do races. And, um, you know, let's just take like a 20, let's say a 24 minute five care, for example, you know, that would, that would say their easy pace should be between about 945 and 1045. Okay. So, um, what we would, what we, what I would see is like a common mistake would be, they would do a lot of their easy runs slightly faster than that, say like between nine and 945. And that's considered the gray zone. Um, if you look at that time on the Jack Daniels calculator or any run smart calculator, you know, it's going to say you're going to see a gap between the easy and then the marathon paced um, workouts by, by about a minute. Sometimes it's like 40 seconds. Um, and so that gap is kind of considered the gray zone. And that's where we're going to see most people make their mistakes is they do a lot of their easy running in that zone. Um, my own zone, for example, I, a lot of my easy runs should be they should be between seven and eight minute pace. Um, and my marathon pace should be around like six, ten or six minute pace. Um, so there's really no point for me running anywhere between like 610 and, and about 655 r- roughly. That's kind of my gray zone. There's just really no point. I should be taking my easy days easy and then I should save it for my marathon um, you know, pace workouts, which should be right around that six minute pace. Um, if I'm going to do threshold, that's going to be about 20 seconds faster, about 545. And so that's kind of what it should look like in terms of setting up your like training program. Um, you know, and the benefits really of following uh, a polarized training approach is obviously your body is going to uh, increase its VO2 max over time. And that's going to increase the ability to use oxygen to fuel these efforts. Um, It's going to increase the time uh, that it takes for you to reach your point of exhaustion. Um, It'll help your body better adapt to other training stressors as well. Like when we start talking about faster speed work Um, and it really just helps us overall become faster and more powerful runner. Because if we're spending all this time running in the gray zone, we're not really probably able to capitalize much on the faster workouts that we're doing. Um, and so you've heard probably elite athletes, even like Meb say, he does a lot of his easy runs at like eight minute pace as true recovery days. And that's really so that he gives his body a complete chance to recover so he can really um, have a solid workout. Yeah. And it's so interesting with the pacing. Um, I like to talk in terms of 
Okay, so anyone listening, if you have your 5K pace, let's say you run eight minute per mile, just add two minutes per mile onto that. And what I think is really interesting is, you know, there's so many different paces that we're running in here and talking about this gray zone. As you become faster, like someone like yourself who runs, you know, in the 16s or 15s for a 5K, that room for error um, with the paces that you're running becomes smaller and smaller and smaller, like the margin in which you have to hit the exact paces. And so as you get better, you have to really get better at pacing, right? And so I think it's almost like you earn your right to run the faster paces because it's so much harder to run them. Like you really have to be honest with yourself. And I think you can really reach a pretty good level of training and running um, and athleticism without incorporating any of these rules at all, right? Like you can get to a certain level, but I think in order to reach that next level and really see like what your personal potential is in the sport, um, you need to start incorporating these things. Otherwise you're just going to be stuck at the same place that you're at, or you're going to, you know, improve a little bit and then you'll just, you'll end up stuck. And that's what happens to people is they end up running the same times year after year and they, they, you know, make excuses like, oh, I've peaked or whatever it may be. But usually if you look down at the breakout of what are they spending their time doing, um, you don't see that their easy run days are truly in that easy zone where, you know, if you can run eight minute pace for a 5k, I better see your easy days in the 10, 11 minute pace range, two to three minutes per mile slower. Um, and then to complement that, your hard effort running days, the intervals that you're doing should be in the eights usually, right? So you have to really make sure that you're training at the correct paces and working a plan that's really working your strengths and weaknesses. Um, And then just talking about that gray zone again, that is the place where you really want to be staying away from. Um, I know you talked about how it's just a little bit faster than easy, but I find for a lot of um, more, not beginner, but like maybe intermediate athletes, you know, if you're a 22, 30, 5k runner, um, your easy pace should really be, you know, between nine, nine fifteen and like 10, 15 per mile. So if you run seven fifteen pace for a 5k, again, we're adding that two to three minutes per mile. That's your easy pace. What I see a lot of people doing is they're running closer to what we would call marathon pace for their easy days. And that's crazy. So if you're someone who right now listening is and you're like a 22, 35K runner and you're running like an 815 pace for a lot of your easy days, wow, you have probably a lot of potential that is just not being reached at all because it, the fact that you can run that fast um, on a regular basis, that tells me, okay, you're not, your body's not being challenged enough on your hard days. You You need to do some workouts that are really going to stress you and be more in, you know, that interval range, stressing like the VO2 max system. And you also need to be working that threshold zone. So threshold's going to be even a little bit faster. Um, You're going to be more like in a 745 pace range. So, you know, dipping into the correct zones that actually elicit a stress response in your body and make you faster is going to be really important. Um, if you spend a lot of time lollygagging, like in that aerobic, that upper aerobic um, zone, which is typically the marathon pace zone, we would call a gray zone, uh, you're just not going to see the improvements that you would if you were training appropriately to really make your threshold 
better, increase your VO2 max, all of those things. You're just kind of throwing that opportunity out the window by running at the incorrect incorrect paces all the time. And so what it looks like if you were to chart it out, it would just be like a flat line, right? Like you're flatlining, you're running the same pace over and over again. If all if you look at your Strava and all of your all of the runs that you've done in the last like three months are like the same pace all the time, uh, you're you're flatlining, right? Like it's like you're dead, <laughs> right? So you have to polarize your training. That means we should be able to see clearly when you're running easy and when you're doing a workout day. You know, your easy pace day and your workout pace day should look very different. Um, so, Jason. What do your or what would you expect to see like the differential in paces on a workout day versus an easy run day? You know, if you're just looking on someone's like Strava account, for example, can you typically tell if someone is using this principle or not? If so, how? Yeah, I spend most of my time checking training peaks just because that's where that's the platform we use for coaching. And it's really easy to tell just by looking at the average pace. Um, I'm constantly leaving notes in there for each athlete um, with all their paces in there. So I just look at that quick if I forget and then I know exactly what their easy range is. And then I can tell based on looking at the average, Um, you know, and I yeah, I have a few athletes who, like you said, they're, you know, that example is actually perfect. Their easy pace should be that 9.15 to 10.15, but they're running a lot of their easy runs at between like 8.15 and 8.45. And so that's kind of like the gray zone. Yeah, 8.15 is their marathon pace. Um, so we're, we're going to structure certain workouts to target that pace. Um, but your entire run shouldn't be somewhere like between that pace and your easy run. Um, other workouts, you know, obviously, you know, you're looking at like the total time it takes or the average pace. I expect to see at least probably 30 seconds to a minute faster per mile, like when you're looking at the average um, for a workout day compared to an easy run, just because you're incorporating the variety of faster running, but also some recovery miles in there too, which will actually slow down the average pace. So yeah, I, de- I definitely look um, look at that average pace. That's kind of the first thing I actually look at when I open up a log or a training run for that day. Yeah, that's a good point. Usually when I'm looking at it, you know, you'd like to see at least like a 30 second per mile differential. Um, You know, usually it's about a minute per mile, if not faster. Uh, And that's even including like the recovery in between and the warm up and the cool down, all that stuff. Um, It should be that clear where, you know, if you're running, your easy days are always in the nines, your workout days are probably always in the eights, right? So you just, you get used to seeing that sort of pattern and it'll be like up, down, up, down, up, down. Um, And that's what it means by polarizing it. So like one day is faster, one day slower. Um, instead of seeing more of like that flat line, which is what we want to kind of avoid if we really want to reach our potential. Um, so I guess the other thing looking at, uh, heart rate or even like effort, what would you say is like a good heart rate determiner for workout days versus easy running days? Um, and then also like the effort scale, if you can speak to that as well. Yeah. I like to kind of associate, uh, them simultaneously with, with looking at the percentage of effort, just because, you know, easy run, it should be like 60 to 75%. That's just kind of my, um, you know, it's actually, as far as effort, it's probably even less than that. It should feel like about a five on a scale of five, uh, one through 10, but your heart rate is going to be about 65 to 70%. If we actually break it down and look at the percentage, um, the value there for the heart rate, um, for like a marathon pace workout, which is like your standard tempo run, you're probably looking at between 80 to 90%. It's hopefully less than 90, but on a hot day, it could reach as high as 90, but yeah, 80 to 85 is ideal. Um, your threshold is going to be around 87 to like 90. 
or 92, and then your intervals are going to be faster. So that's kind of what I would look at for um, the perceived effort. It's similar. It's basically like 50 to 60 for easy, maybe like 65 to 75 for like a marathon pace effort um, threshold, probably 75 to 85, and then your intervals are going to be 85 to 95. So that's how I would break it down. Yeah, there's a lot of percentages there. So, you know, keeping the the easy days easy with the heart rate, I think is is a is a topic of conversation sometimes that comes up with athletes. So, you know, you are spitting out percentage of heart rate and I know, you know, just rule of thumb average, you know, 30-year-old athlete with you know, whatever. Me personally, I try to get my heart rate in like the 150s for an easy run. Um, just given my heart rate data, my max heart rate, all those things, it's usually in the 150s. Um, and sometimes, you know, if you're going out on a run and your heart rate isn't in the 150s, or if you say it can never get into that aerobic zone. So I have some people who literally will say, no matter what pace I run, even if I'm going, you know, really super slow, basically walking, my heart rate's always going to be 170, 180, whatever. So, is there sometimes like a limit where some people should just not run? Because like if your heart rate's getting that high, it's like, you know, what what's the point? We're not really getting that rest, quote unquote, that like easy effort. Um, does it make sense that some people should be cross training? Is there a certain level of athlete where it's like, okay, you've kind of earned your right to do the easy run? Um, how do you kind of approach that with each of your athletes? Yeah, that's definitely an interesting um, thing to think about. I know this past summer we had athletes who, you know, who lived in hotter parts of the country. You know, they, it just seemed like no matter how slow they were running, their heart rate was getting high. And even sustaining like a five-mile run just felt like a, like a workout almost. So I think, yeah, it, it's going to come down to, you know, your experience and how frequent you're running, how, how many miles you're and all that, your volume. But also I would, I would definitely recommend um, if you have access to indoor uh, trying to run on the treadmill and kind of compare and see how see how the numbers um, you know differ in that way. But also, you could just do cross training for a lot of your easy efforts. You know, you could do biking or swimming or whatever else you have access to. Yeah, I think cross training is always a really good option there. Um, I know being pregnant myself right now as we're recording this, I have most of my days now, you know, entering the third trimester, my, my runs are, is that elevated heart rate. There isn't a run that I can do that's really in that like super low heart rate zone, unless I'm going very, very slow. Um, so I almost like do have to be on a treadmill in that instance in order to maintain those lower heart rates. And so sometimes I do find um, my athletes who do have access to a treadmill, if I just say, you know, plug plug in a really slow pace that maybe you hardly ever run um, and try doing that uh, to get that lower heart rate, that can certainly be an option for people because I know sometimes it can just be really hard to pace yourself outside correctly or, you know, you get the music or you get competitive with people around you, whatever. Um, try on the treadmill, try just going even a minute per mile slower than what you normally would do your easy pace in. Um, see if that's regulating your heart rate. If not, it may just be the case that, you know, your, your body is under a lot of stress and it needs to have a less impact, um, recovery or easy day activity to build your aerobic zone first before we can move to the running. So building up to a point where I think, 
you can even say something's an easy run um, takes a number of years or, or months, depending on what your background is. Um, so it might make sense for some athletes to be doing their easy running, quote unquote, running days, their easy effort days as a walk or as a hike or, you know, like you said, swimming or biking, because those are usually activities where you can get your heart rate a little lower. Um, but those are always really good options. So another question that we get a lot that comes in with the easy running days, because of course no one likes to run easy. No one likes to, you know, slow, go slow. No one likes to hear that. Um, I, I have athletes in the taper or on their off season, they'll say, okay, since I'm not doing any workouts or since I'm not doing as many workouts, can I run faster than my easy pace on my easy days? And so what would you say to someone who isn't doing any workouts at all and wants to know if it's okay to go a little faster on their easy days? Um, is it okay to just flatline for a while? Yeah, this is a great question. And, and there's a few right answers, right? It depends, number one, um, you know, how long you've been running, what your experience is. Number two, like what you're looking forward to in the next year. Um, this is where I would think about bigger picture. Um, when we talk about like polarization, we you might have heard of the terms like macro cycle and meso cycle. Um, and so macro cycle is kind of like the big picture. Um, could be, you know, it could be really a 20 week training plan for a marathon, or it could be a year long, depending on what your next big event is that you're looking at. Um, and then when we look at like the meso cycle, that's going to be broken down into like a smaller, like three to four week or a month long basis. All right. And then, um, you know, and then they have the micro cycle, which is just like one week at a time. So depending on what you have going on in the near future, uh, it's definitely okay to start, um, introducing some different, you know, different stressors, I would say. Um, like when we think about an athlete who, let's say they're going to, they're going to run like a fall marathon. Right. And so here it, here it is in the winter time, we still have probably uh, 10 months away or whatever, nine months away. I definitely think that you would want to start with your base building, uh, depending on what you've been doing. And that's the other thing, this is going to depend on what you've been doing recently. I think that's so important to look at because you can't just go and start uh, drastically changing what you're doing. Um, that's a recipe for injury and burnout. So um, you want to slowly start to just add in, maybe it's just like once every two weeks, you're adding in something new, um, like a, like a short tempo. Uh, a lot of times, you know, athletes in the summer for college and for high school, the coach will give them like, they'll just throw in like one fart like type workout um, where they say go off a of feel. And I think that that's just great to keep you from getting stuck in a rut. Um, and it's, it's good to just change up your, your pace and your gait for a day. Um, I think that, um, you know, a lot of this is going to boil down to what distance it is that you're going to be targeting for your next a race. And then, um, maybe adding in a new variable to some capacity. Yeah, that was really good to hear. Um, I always talk about those things in terms of like micro and macro, maybe that's cause I was, you know, business school major, but, uh, I think it's really interesting to think of it as, you know, you have your big cycles and you have the little cycles within that. So, you know, you can't be climbing the mountain forever. And I think Ben Jacobs, you know, the head coach here, he always said, uh, you can't peak forever. And that's definitely true. So you get to the top of Mount Everest or whatever. Um, you can't just keep climbing. Like you reach the peak. Um, and they say athletes typically only have one or two peaks a year. So it's like, you can't just keep climbing. Um, you you eventually do have to go into more of like a flatter line cycle, I think, for a while. And so you're not going to always be doing workouts is basically what that means. You're going to have periods of time where it looks more of like a rest period in general. So 
Um, you're just going to be in that rest part of the equation um, on that big scale. Um, so a training cycle in and of itself, of course, you have those easy days in there. But the, that whole training cycle, so to speak, is stress. So once you have that, you have to have that break and have the rest period in order to continue growing and in order to continue to go to the next mountain peak and continue climbing. So I think it's definitely okay to flatline for sure in between um, cycles and and you're going to be doing a lot more easy days. Um, Same with if you're coming back from an injury, coming back from time off, you're not going to be doing a lot of, you know, polarized training. It's going to be a lot of easy running. And that's fine. And um, the polarization might look a little different. It might be, you know, running is your stress (laughs) and then you have a a day off. So it might be every other day running or you might have by duration. So if you're on an off season, your easy days um, might be like 30 minutes and then you have a harder day that's 60 minutes. Um, And so you're not even really varying the pace much. You're varying other, um, other things within kind of that rest season. But I definitely think it's okay to have those times off from the workouts. I think it's actually very important um, because it is part of that equation on the big scale. You have to make sure you're taking those off seasons, that recovery period um, in order to continue improving for sure. But I don't think your easy pace range is going to change at all. And I don't think you know, you should start running faster than your easy pace range during those periods of times because then you're not actually getting what you need out of that rest period. Um, you really need to be keeping it easy and just continue to trust the process. So I guess another topic that comes up, you know, it's hard for people to buy into this like whole principle, especially if you're kind of been stuck for a while. I know in my running career, I had reached a couple of plateaus and I think the hardest um, thing to really wrap your head around is like you could be overtraining, you could be doing too much and the thought of it doing less or running slower on your easy days can be um, one of those things where you're like, well, that sounds great, but not for me, right? And so it's really hard to buy into this mentality. And I remember the first time I was introduced to you know the easy running idea um you know the coach wanted me to warm up before I did a race and I was like I can't I'm not gonna tire myself Mm -hmm. out like any effort is going to exhaust me and so it's so funny to think of that now because a warm-up is like so standard um but back then I was like no I really want to save this like mentally physically everything for the race. I didn't want to do a warm up. Um, I even asked like, can I just do like a one minute jog? Like, cause I literally thought if I ran a mile before a race that I wasn't going to be able to perform to my best ability. And I think even when I finished the race, I blamed the warm up for not being, for me not being faster because I was like, well, if I wasn't forced to run a mile before I could have ran even faster during. Um, so I think that whole mindset shifting, how do you get people to really buy into the concept of easy running actually helping you? Yeah, this is this is an interesting one. It's funny because I feel like the longer I've been running, um, you know, I've realized the, the, the more important it is for me to have a quality and a longer warm up just because I'm getting older and I just feel like sometimes it takes really a lot of time to, you know, get everything 
just primed and ready to go. Um, you know, cause a lot of times you've, we've all been there where you've done a race and it's, it's usually like a 5k probably and the gun goes off and you feel great the first minute or minute and a half. And then all of a sudden it just starts to hurt because you went out too fast and your body wasn't quite ready, warmed up enough. Um, and my greatest, um, I guess, examples, reminders of these is when I, when I coach high school and college kids, because you have, you have kids that from all across the spectrum, right. And some really do a good warm up, Others don't like to do warm up at all because they're fearful of what you said, you know, of, um, expending too much energy. Um, but helping them realize the importance I think was, was key because, you know, think about, um, you know, you, when we think about a, a car, for example, like a car approaching an intersection, right? A car off the start line from a red light um, is not going to be able to get up to speed as quickly as a car that was kind of coasting and then the light turns green and then they can just uh, step on the gas and keep resuming and then they already have like a head start. So it's kind of like that where you think about you have to get your muscles and your um, you know, your aerobic system, you got to get the blood pumping and respiratory system, all that needs to be warmed up. So you need to not only go out and do um, you know, a mile or two or whatever it is, but you also need to be doing some faster like, um, you know, either tempo or strides within that warm up, just to get your body used to it. So that when that gun goes off, uh, the body knows, Oh yeah, this is what we did about 10 or 15 minutes ago. This is no big deal. I'm not going to go into panic mode, that sort of thing. And I think it's, it's a experience. Um, it's definitely something we learned through experience. Um, and, and if we can start to mimic workouts the same way as we would a race, it's going to translate over into racing and it'll be a lot more natural feeling. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a time and place. And I definitely think there's like that learning curve aspect to it for sure. So for me, back when that warm up situation happened, I think it was more like I, I wasn't used to it. Right. And I think there's a time and place to like ease into things. I think mentally being on the same page um, is, is really important. So, you know, maybe it would have been OK for me to do like a two minute jog. Right. So whatever made you feel good. And then and it would also help you realize, OK, it actually the warm up did help me. Right. Like and next time I'll add on a little bit longer. Um, so I think there's a time and place for easing in. I know I just had a athlete phone call the other day and, you know, she's someone who's been working with me for a really long time. And I was like, I think, you know, your easy days are kind of getting a little out of control, you know, like she used to be really, really good at keeping the easy days easy. But I think as you get, you know, as you get faster, um, sometimes you just kind of lose sight of it or you just get so caught up in, oh, I went a little bit too fast this day. And then slowly like that easy day just kind of creeps up into the range that's not appropriate, right? So I think just keeping it honest and having that honest um, dialogue and making sure, hey, if, if we just, you know, ease into slowing back down a little bit. And I even said to her, I was like, I don't want you to do anything drastic like right away, but just like, at, like let's take the first run and let's just slow it down by 20 seconds per mile and then by another 20 per mile just so that you can slowly ease into things because I think when you when you ask to make a drastic change it can be really freaky so I think anyone who's listening to this and you want to try this out take your easy pace range and whatever you normally do for your easy days just you know slow down by 45 seconds per mile um if it's super drastic you don't have to you know slow down by three minutes per mile or anything um just ease into those paces and then introduce like a small short workout where you're working at those faster paces. So a short workout might be, you know, six by 400 meters, um, at 5k pace or whatever. Um, but you just don't want to like dive into something where it's like, okay, I'm going to do 10 by 400s and it's all going to be at like one mile pace 
And then the next day I'm going to go super easy, like three minutes per mile slower than what I'm used to running at and doing things that are drastic while it, it could help you get on the right track. I find that it's better just to like ease people into the changes. Um, and then over time it can become more of like a lifestyle change. So that's really what it is. You know, just like we don't really think diets are great because you know you want to make it a part of your lifestyle you want it to be something that you ease into and that you feel comfortable doing Um, because sometimes when you make super drastic changes it can just be really overwhelming and people will you know want their old life back or their old habits back you have to like slowly change the habits over time and I think when you do it in a slow manner like that it allows you to mentally process it and to accept the things as it comes along so I hope that this was, you know, productive for people who are thinking about, you know, their training in the upcoming year and what they're trying to, you know, get out of their running. Um, you can definitely flatline even, you know, if you just, if that could be your goal, right? Like, I mean, if you don't want to become the fastest runner that you could be or to reach your potential and you just want to run for fun, that's totally fine. So we're not saying that everyone has to train this way. We're saying that this is the way you should train if you want to reach your potential. So you don't need to like go around schooling people like, hey, (laughs) you know, like you need to run X pace. Um, Because there are some people that just want to run, you know, easy, the same pace all the time. And they don't want to become, you know, super fast or they don't have time-based goals. And so I think it's okay to allow people like their space to have their running. Um, And then when it comes for your goals, just making sure that your goals are aligned with what your training looks like and vice versa. Um, So, you know, if you see someone on Strava doing something, it doesn't mean that it's like incorrect. It just means that they might just have different goals than you. So I think there's a time and place for every type of training. And this is just one way that we really help people to have like those big breakout PRs that we always post about on our Instagram page and that people always kind of you know, ask, Oh, what are they doing? This is really what they're doing. Um, and you know, this, this type of training, it it can be rigorous and it can be mentally tough. So it's definitely, there's a time and place and you have to have like those off seasons in between there as well. So we hope that you found this, um, useful and you can incorporate some of this into your training if it reflects what you want to do with your goals in the upcoming future. So if you ever have any questions or you want to have a free trial, you can have us write you a plan for seven days for free. If you visit our website at www.runforprs.co, fill out the form on our website. We can get you connected with a coach talking about your goals, do a free consultation and get you a free week of training. So until next time, thanks for tuning in.